Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. I think he must have been crazy looking. You know, I'm, I'm sure his hair was unkempt and he wore nothing but this long tunic with a leather belt around his waist. And then this tunic that he's wearing, it's one piece of clothing, but it, it's made of camel hair. And camel hair was a rough, itchy material, and you didn't normally make clothing out of it. It was, it was not something you would want to wear naturally, especially if you were rich and wealthy and enjoyed the finer things in life. You would want to make your clothing out of silk or any nicer, smoother cloth, not out of nasty, itchy camel's hair. But this guy did. And then, <laughs> the smell... You probably would have smelled this guy long before you saw him. He lived in the hot Judean wilderness, a rugged desert, essentially. He slept under scrub trees and scavenged for food where he could, and and what he ate was pretty unimpressive. Locusts and wild honey. Locusts are grasshopper-type creatures, and maybe you can grill a bunch of locusts, and maybe that is how this guy ate them when he wanted to eat fancy, but... More probably he ate them raw and spat out the legs, or maybe swallowed them all whole, I don't know. Sadly, locusts might be a good after-dinner snack, but as the main source of your diet, probably locusts are not the best choice. But if you're poor and living in the wilderness, you gotta eat what you can find, right? So... This guy ate bugs called locusts and then washed them down with honey he found in trees and rocks or, or wherever the bees decided to start a hive. So imagine this guy standing before you. He's wearing an itchy, nasty camel hair tunic. And around his waist is a leather belt. And there he is eating a bunch of locusts and wild honey. Hair all messed up and smelling like a guy who needed a bath. And this guy, he's standing there, and he's yelling, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near! Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near! Would you listen to him? Would you pay any attention to him? But then, as a good Jew, you would look at him, and he'd be reminded of another famous man from your own Jewish history prophet named Elijah, and he also appeared out of nowhere wearing a garment and 
a leather belt tied around his waist. And then you'd also be reminded of the talk going around your local synagogue that the Messiah is supposed to appear soon and, and that someone would come before the Messiah, according to Old Testament prophecy. Someone would come before the Messiah announcing his coming. And that, and that person, according to the last prophet to speak from God, the prophet Malachi, According to Malachi chapter 3 and in chapter 4, Elijah was going to come back and go before Messiah, clearing the way for Messiah and turning the hearts of the people back to Yahweh. And here he is. Or at least someone who looks a lot as he's described. And as a good Jew, you know, you had to traverse hills and rocky outcrops to get all the way out to hear this guy's message. In fact, you wonder if this man is in fact a prophet just like Elijah. Because Elijah was out in the desert, and this guy's out in the desert, and he looks a lot like the way the prophet Elijah is described in in 1 Kings. And then on top of all that, this guy is baptizing people. Now, most people in Jesus' day would cleanse themselves with water when they repented of sin. They would go through some type of ritual cleansing procedure, a sign that they were repenting of their sins. But this guy, this prophet, he's taking people who repent and he's baptizing them. He's taking them and immersing them in a probably a big hole in the ground full of water. Or if he's out by the River Jordan, he's dunking them there. So who is this guy? And what's his name? And then when you get out there, you find out his name is John. And the people have given him a nickname. John the Baptizer. Now, the next part in Matthew's story jumps forward roughly 30 years. You know, we last left Jesus when he was in his toddler years, probably at the age of one or two. (coughs) We know nothing of what it was like growing up for Jesus or what it was like for Mary to raise Jesus. We catch glimpses of his childhood and what he was like from the other Gospels, but not here in Matthew. It seems Matthew isn't interested in sharing those details, as fascinating as they may seem. No, his desire was to show that Jesus is king, and that Jesus is the king Messiah. And so the next part of the story is the story of Jesus kicking off his earthly ministry. Now remember, Jesus and John are cousins. Jesus was born by Mary, but John is a couple months older, and he was birthed by Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. John's birth was also a miracle, if you remember. Elizabeth was way past age and should not have been able to give birth. Her and Zachariah, her husband, had tried for years, but to no avail. But then the angel Gabriel shows up and announced to Zachariah that Elizabeth is going to give birth and to call this baby John... And when later Elizabeth and Mary met, both pregnant, the little fetus named John leapt for joy at being in the presence of the Messiah. And so Zachariah and Elizabeth raised John. And later at some point, John left his family and began the life of a prophet of God. John the Baptist 
was the last Old Testament prophet. He was called by God from birth to preach a message given to him from Yahweh. And that message was simple. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, there had not been an Old Testament prophet preaching to Israel for over 400 years. The last prophet to preach was the prophet Malachi, roughly 430 years ago. And between Malachi and John, in terms of prophetic words from God, it had been silent. God had not spoken a word. But now, now there was a new prophet in town, and his name was John. And John the Baptist was called by God to leave his parents and family and go out to the wilderness and start preaching this simple message. Israel, you need to repent because the Messiah is here. The Messiah is coming. You need to repent. Now, what do you think that word repent means? You know, what did John mean when he was calling the Jewish people to repentance? Well, the word repent means to change your mind, to stop going in one direction and instead to turn around and start heading in the opposite direction. You know, it's not just feeling sorry for yourself, though if you properly repent, you probably will feel sorrow. And it's not just merely a feeling or saying you're sorry. No, 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 no. True repentance is stopping doing something that is against God's law and to turn around 180 degrees and start doing and obeying God's law. And so that is what John is doing, calling on the people to repent, to stop disobeying the law as revealed by God in the Torah, and to start doing right, to start obeying the law as revealed by God in the Torah. And then John would ask if you wanted to be baptized, to be dunked in this pond or pool or river to publicly show what was going on inside your heart and mind, to publicly affirm that you are now a follower of Yahweh and that you will do your best to obey his revealed will. That's what John was doing. Preaching, repent, and then taking those who had repented and baptizing him. And then those people began to follow John or to be his disciple. They wanted to learn from John. And that is what John was doing. And, and so he was a prophet who looked like Elijah, telling the people of Israel to repent and then baptizing those who truly had had a change of heart and mind. And in between all of that, he got in some nice juicy locusts and down some wild honey. Woo! What a life. And the people, the people were coming out to him in droves. The people wanted to hear what the word from God was. And some of those people, though, some of those people who came out to hear him decided, you know, all this is stupid. And they probably walked away and headed back home. And one of those groups, one of those groups was known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, this group of men came out to hear John, to hear the prophet of God, and they had come out probably to mock him and ridicule John and his followers. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the keepers of the law. They were the ones who went around making sure everyone obeyed the rules. 
These were the men who sat on important councils, who had political power. These were also the men who were rich and part of the ruling class of their day. And so the preaching of John, that the people of Israel had to repent because the coming kingdom of God with Messiah as king was coming and it was already here, so you better repent, John's preaching of that would have irritated them. I think they would have thought, you know, who who gave John the right to preach this way? Had he been approved by the council? And why are you not wearing more priestly garb and not that nasty camel's hair tunic? But enough people were interested in what John was prophesying that these leaders had to go out to the desert to see what this fuss was all about. But John, John saw them coming. He knew what they were there for to mock the whole thing. And when John saw them approaching, he yelled out, You offspring of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit that proves your repentance and don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. That was quite a statement by John. He wasn't afraid of these men who had the power of life and death in their hands. No, he just told them as it is. He called them snakes. And I think it was probably a reference to the story of the fall, right? In Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Remember the snake tempting Eve? Plus, snakes were just seen as evil creatures. And it was not a nice thing to be called a snake. And it's still not. You know, you don't go around saying, hey... You snaky person, you know, unless you happen to work with snakes. But anyway, the average person, you don't say, hey, you're a snake. No. But see, John knew their hearts. He knew they were only out there to mock and jeer. They weren't interested in repentance, at least. They were there for the show and for the bizarreness of it all. They weren't interested in looking at their lives and seeing where they were breaking the law of God and then repenting and showing their repentance by being baptized and getting ready for the coming of the Messiah. They weren't interested in that at all. Sadly, it's still that way today. There are a lot of people who go to church for the show because it's cool to go to church. Because society expects it. Because their mama wants them to go. But they're not really interested in God. They're not interested in following Jesus. And they have no desire to obey Jesus. They don't love him. But they still show up for the services. And maybe are the first to criticize or to mock the service or the pastor or the preacher. Or somebody else that's sitting next to him in the pew. I don't know. But... I hope that isn't you. I hope you have a genuine love for the Lord and the things of the Lord and want to obey what Jesus says. I hope you do. Well, John the Baptist, he's around the age of 30, and he's doing his prophet thing, preaching repentance, baptizing people, developing disciples who wanted to follow his teachings, and then making the way for the Messiah to arrive. 
He's making it ready. He's calling the people to repentance. He's getting the heart of true Israel ready for the coming of the Messiah. And then, finally, one day, the Messiah arrives. You know, it's probably an average day. We do know it was partly cloudy because later the Bible says the clouds parted. But but overall, I, I bet it was a beautiful sunny day. And here we have John dunking people in the pond he had created to baptize those who repented. Or, or maybe he's baptizing them in the Jordan River. And they would confess their sins publicly and then John would take them to the pond or the river to publicly declare that they were changed. And I can imagine he just baptized Darla, who had decided to obey Yahweh and to stop stealing money from her employer and to change her life around and to repent and to follow Yahweh more closely. And maybe he'd also just baptized Daryl, who had repented of his sins of not keeping the Sabbath and committing adultery with another woman. You know, it was a great day. Two baptisms and it wasn't even noon yet. I imagine John was beginning to come out of the Jordan River when when he's covered in water, soaked, but rejoicing that people are repenting and coming back to God when he looks up. He saw the sandals and and he thought, oh, somebody's standing on the side of the river. They've, they've come ready to repent and be baptized. And then he looks up further and he realizes, this is him. This is my cousin. This is Jesus. And I imagine immediately John drops to his knees. Hey, I wonder what the others standing around might have thought, especially his disciples. I mean, John didn't bow down to anyone, right? He told those Pharisees and Sadducees off. He only bows down to, and I think then, bam. He only bows down to God. And I'm staring at Jesus. And I imagine his disciples began to bow as well. If John is bowing, that means John is in the company of the Messiah, the Lord. You know, I can imagine they're all bowing and giving honor to the young man named Jesus. John's cousin, Mary's son. John said, I can't baptize you, Jesus. You are my Lord. You're the Messiah. I can't baptize you. I imagine Jesus then gently bent down and took Elijah by the shoulder and made him stand. And then Jesus said, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew 3, verse 15. Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. What does he mean by that? To fulfill all righteousness? What Jesus meant was that Jesus needed to obey the will of his Father. And in Jesus' day, one way to obey the will of the Father was to keep and obey the law. That is why Joseph, Jesus' dad, earlier in Matthew, was called a righteous man, because he kept the law. But here Jesus is not talking about keeping the law, but he is talking about submitting. And in submitting, specifically to the command of his father. And in submitting 
to the command of his father to be baptized, Jesus was fulfilling all righteousness. He was obeying his father. And so hearing that, John then submitted to his king's request. He decided to baptize Jesus in the Jordan River. And so Jesus stepped in the river from the bank and probably walked into the river until the water was about waist high. And then John put his hand on Jesus' back and Jesus held his other hand. And then John lent Jesus back and baptized Jesus under the water. He pushed Jesus under. And then Jesus comes back out of the water. And I'm sure Jesus is smiling, knowing he had pleased his father. And then Jesus began to walk up out of the river. And as he began to step foot on the bank, all of a sudden, the miraculous happened. The Bible says the clouds parted and then something resembling a dove came down from the sky. Now imagine this dove was pure white and beautifully radiating light. Now the Bible says this wasn't a real dove. Instead it was the Holy Spirit descending from heaven in the form of a dove. Now it could have looked like a real dove. Maybe if you and I were there we would have said, Oh look, a dove just landed on Jesus' head. Or, or, or like I imagine, I think instead it might have been a special looking dove. But then... What happened next would have been the true sign that this was from God. Because the Bible says, after the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, then God the Father spoke audibly. God the Father boomed out for all to hear, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Or, or I like this version. This is my one dear Son. In him I take great delight. What an awesome thing for Jesus to hear. On one hand, it is a wonderful thing to hear your father's proud of you, isn't it? When your dad says, I am proud of you, son, daughter, you did good. I mean, isn't that a great feeling? And, and what an encouragement that must have been to Jesus. But on the other hand, this, this phrase was the fulfillment of scripture because it says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, this is my servant, I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I've put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. Isaiah 42 verse 1. See, Isaiah predicted that this servant will come and that the servant will one day liberate Israel who will one day be their Messiah and that God would put his spirit upon him. And he did. In this moment, God the Father empowers his son to complete the ministry to which he had called him. And I think John, standing in the baptismal waters, must have been moved to tears to see that moment, to hear the voice of God. And I wonder if only Jesus and John heard the voice or saw the Holy Spirit descending. You know, I don't think so. I think for all those people standing there, it was for them It was an announcement, a proclamation by the Father to the whole watching world. This is my son, and I love him dearly, and his ministry has now begun. Watch out, world. But 
there was someone else watching. There was someone else who had a big smile on his face, I imagine. But the smile was a smirk, full of loathing and hate. The Son of God, the Son of God had finally revealed himself. And this being, this being was ready to take Jesus down, ready to destroy him. And you know who that person was? You know that person? You know who that person was that wanted to destroy Jesus? Well, if you come back next week, you'll find out who that person was. Or if you go ahead and read Matthew chapter 4, you can also find out who that person was. But I just want to say, fathers out there, please encourage your sons. Please tell them, hey, I delight in you. And yes, I have to correct you. And yes, I have to discipline you. But overall, I just want you to know, I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're an awesome boy, and you're going to do great things. Say it to your sons. But also say it to your daughters, you know? Your daughters need to hear that too. Daughter, I, I love you, and, and I yes, I have to discipline you, but you are going to be a great woman someday, and I'm so proud of you. And if your son or your daughter's in their 40s or 50s, they still need to hear that their dad is proud of them. But I also think, this whole story just reminds me that this is God's son. And this is a father who gave up his son to die. And he knew the suffering that his son Jesus was going to go through. But God the Father let it happen. What a loving father. What a loving father. And you can trust him. And you can trust that father. You can trust that heart. No matter what you're facing, I want to encourage you. You have a father who loves you. If you know Jesus as your savior, if you have asked Jesus to save you, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you have asked him to save you, guess what? Jesus is now your father. And let's be thankful for everything that that father did for us and us earthly fathers let's encourage our children and let's tell them how proud we are of them thank you for listening to bald head bible podcast if you have any questions or comments we would love to hear from you you can comment on our facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com if you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Mm-hmm.